Hey guys, welcome back to Those Murder Girls Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Raina. And I'm Marie. Thank you guys for joining us today. We have a serious uh, head scratcher for you guys, so let's get into it. Yeah, this one is crazy for sure. We are going to Pickering, Canada, and we're going to be telling you guys the story of the Lost Boys of Pickering, also known as the Lost Boys of Ontario. But before we get started, we just wanted to give you guys a heads up that there are more theories in this case than there are known facts so pay close attention let us know what you guys think and i would look this one up after you listen here because so many people have a lot of different things to say about this case so marie let's get started all right so michael cummins did a little something out of the character on the evening of march 17th 1995 He took off a cherished necklace that he always wore around his neck and he handed it to his mom and asked her to take care of it for him. Now Michael's mom looked down at the necklace and then looked at him back and she obliged. So later that night, Michael and a group of five of his high school friends, they went out partying. They had left their friends and girlfriends behind at a party saying that they would be coming back, telling them that they were just going to the local dock to goof around on a boat and they were actually never seen again after that night. Well, today, the group has actually been missing for over 25 years. Not a single piece of clothing or personal items have ever been found that could possibly identify as belonging to one of what they call the Pickering Six. Close friends Jay Boyle, Robbie Rumble, Michael Cummins, Chad Smith, Danny Higgins, and Jamie LaFarbe. I'm probably saying Jamie's name wrong or his last name wrong, so sorry. So all the boys, with the exception of Jamie, were from the Pickering area. Jamie was from Toronto. So on the night of St. Patrick's Day, they did what most high school teens do during spring break. They find a house that they can party at, more than likely with no adults, and they rage until the early morning hours. This is exactly what they did St. Patrick's Day 1995. So we uh, did some research on St. Patty's Day in Canada, and it's, it's a very serious holiday up there to them. They take it very seriously. Uh, I know a personal Canadian, and yeah, he says they go pretty hardcore. So, I mean, the boys were probably having a grand old time drinking it up and living it up. So they leave the party that they're at that night at around 12.50 a.m., which technically now makes it March 18th. The boys told their friends and their girlfriends that they were walking over to the Frenchman Bay's marina, And three of them were actually caught on surveillance camera at about 1.48, breaking into the marina. So there are various accounts on who was actually caught on camera. Um, One of the sources that I used said it was Michael, Jamie, and Robbie. But there are other sources that just, they name off other boys. But there's always only three of them seen. So they are seen walking on to an unoccupied boat within the Swan Marina, which was at the end of Liverpool Road. They walk away from the boat with beer in hand that was confirmed to have come from inside of the boat. And then they slowly make their way out of the camera's frame. So a short time later, locals living in the area say that they had heard a boat out on the water. They heard sounds of a high-powered motor, and this stuck out to them because of how late or early it was in the morning. Hearing a boat out on the water was not typical for this time. So the sounds that they believed that they heard was the engine of what turned out to be a stolen imitation Boston Whaler boat. 
which law enforcement would go on to say that the Pickering Six were responsible for stealing. Little is known about the events that transpired in regard to the boat or the location of the boys after around the time that the boat left the marina, or if the boys were even responsible for stealing that boat or were on that boat at any time at all. So let us tell you guys a little bit about this boat that they were suspected of joyriding in. It wasn't like a rinketing boat. It was, I mean, it had some, it was older. It had some wear on it, but it had 25 horsepower motor. I mean, it was a big one. Um, there was also said that there was half of a gas can that was on board, but there were no life vests that were present. So the boats were reported stolen in the morning to the local sheriffs. But at the time, the sheriffs had not tied the boats to the boys. So a couple hours after the boys had left the party to head over to the marina, their girlfriends got super worried about them. They hadn't returned to the party and none of them returned home. So the girls go to the police station and it's a little around 2 a.m. to report the six boys missing. No reports were filed at this time. The officer that helped the girls, he wasn't really worried at that point. He didn't really even think twice to ask any questions about the boys. The officer just tells the girls to have the boys' parents come back in the morning to file a report if the boys hadn't showed up before then. So it's not until almost 20 hours after the boys were last seen that a search begins for them. It was a search on land, water, and air. It was a search concluded of the RCMP, a Toronto rescue group, the RC Air Force, multiple aircrafts, and hundreds of citizens, they all came together to search the area and to walk the shores of the lake for any signs of the boys. Now, Lake Ontario isn't your typical lake. It's actually one of the five great lakes in the United States. It covers an area of 7,300 miles. It's huge, you guys. It's massive. So the northwest and southwest areas of the lake border Canada, while the south and the east border New York. The deepest point of the lake is over 800 feet. I hate water. I hate lakes. I hate rivers. I hate all things water. So I can't even imagine. Just creeps me out talking about it, actually. So when I was researching this, I I guess 800 feet is not even that deep for a lake. That's but insane. it seems like it would be. That I don't know. Insane. I don't know much about lakes. <laughs> so the rescue mission for the boys concludes just two days after it began. They came up with no sign of the boys, no sign of anything. The families and a private investigator named Bruce have major problems with this because law enforcement has always said that the boys were on that imitation Boston Whaler boat and some sort of accident must have occurred. So the fact that an accident would have occurred and nothing was found, all of the boys had shoes on, clothing, hats, wallets in their pockets, and nothing was found in the water during the initial search. So personally, we thought it was strange when we did our research because this boat had only been, you know, supposedly sunk for 20 to 35 hours prior. It's not like this had been months that it's been missing. You would think that if there was an accident, there'd be oil, gas marks on the surface, like something. It didn't just sink with, you know, leaving behind no sign. Yeah, like six boys fully clothed. Not a single article of clothing. And there was one theory that when they were like, well, why isn't anything like being found or floating in the water that this huge vessel that typically is on the lake at night, like they must have collided together. Mm -hmm. But even still, like where is that damaged vessel? And there would be 
pieces of boat and maybe in even people right. in the water. Another thing that I thought was odd too was that uh, the residents that live nearby, they if they could hear the motor of the boat, they would be able to hear an oh. explosion, a crash, anything. I mean, if you can hear the motor of it driving out, you would hear something like a tragic accident or something. It just, it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's weird. Yeah. So along with all of that, this Boston Whaler was said, I'm sorry, imitation Boston Whaler was said to be unsinkable. And you guys can go on YouTube and watch. They do tests on these boats where they like chop them in half, blow them up, and it takes a long time. You never see it sink. Like the pieces always float. They're so buoyant. And another thing when we were looking through it, I remember a story not too long ago, a girl and her son, they were out on a lake, pretty choppy water. It was on the East Coast somewhere. And within a few hours of them capsizing, her life vest was ashore, the boat and the paddle. It was like, it was more of a kayak, but still washed to shore within a few hours. So I just find it really hard to believe if this thing did explode, did sink, whatever the case. And every little Every little part went down with it. There's just no way. No, and it's said that these boats take months, if not even close to a year, to even begin to make its way below the surface of the water. Oh, that gives me chills. So I know like, it would. Where is there it? would? I know where they where, even where on are it. You? We don't even know yeah. if they were on the boat. Oh, and there was another thing. So an air rescue group that was flying over the lake during the search did radio in a sighting of what looked to be like a partially submerged boat in the water. There is no evidence or any reporting that that sighting of the partially submerged boat in the water was ever followed up on by any law enforcement agency. I noticed um, when we were doing our research, there was a conspiracy theorist that had like snapshotted a Google Earth photo, like kind of of the bay and on the outside of the bay. And there's like this very, very kind of cloudy image under the water. And they're like, is this it? It's literally like a massive ship or something. Like it's clearly not the boat, but it's it was kind of crazy to see all the conspiracy theories that are out there. Across the waters of Lake Ontario in Wilson, New York. This is the area that a gas can that was identified as one belonging to the imitation Boston whaler. It was found floating solo. The gas can had English and French writing on it. It also had a dent on the side of the can, and that was identified as the one that belonged to this particular boat. Now, where this can was found floating was a ways away from anywhere that the boys could have been if, in fact, they had stolen the imitation Boston whaler, because at the time it went missing, the boat only had 25 miles worth of gas inside of it. So, could the boat have been stolen by somebody else other than the boys? I think so. Maybe it was stolen by a group or an individual that was prepared to drive a longer distance or had another vessel out in the water waiting for them to refuel. Totally. The PI requested to examine that gas can, and his requests were denied because the gas can was somehow lost while conveniently sitting in evidence. As is going to be like everything that pertains to this case. (laughs) So, like I just said, that gas can isn't going to be the only thing that disappears while sitting in evidence. Bruce, the private investigator, has also requested to view that video surveillance that caught three of the boys in the marina. The family had actually been able, I don't know whose family, but one of the six families was actually able to view this video sometime early on in the investigation. But when Bruce requested it, he was told that it was lost. A pair of red Levi Strauss jeans that were documented as being found 
with bones actually entangled in them were described and they were described to a T as the jeans that Jay was last seen wearing the night that he went missing. Jay's mom had bought him two pairs of jeans that she knows exactly were Levi Strauss. One pair was red and one pair was green. And the red ones are the ones that he had been wearing that night. So in the area that these jeans and the bones were found were quite a distance from where law enforcement believed the boys would have been that night. But the family being concerned and wanting answers asked the law enforcement to please examine the bones and see if there was a possible DNA match linking the bones back to Jay. This request that the family made was denied by the Durham police, saying that the cost of the testing would be much too substantial. And they also note again that the location of where the genes and the remains were found were just too far of a distance from where the boys would have been. But there is no actual evidence of where the boys met their fate that night. It could have been in a marina or it could have been, it could have really been anywhere. They don't know. They don't even know if they boarded the boat. It would be like any evidence that was found that could possibly be linked to them. It's like and that show, uh, I watched The Vanished a lot, where like you don't get any answers because they literally just vanish. But six people vanished. Not one, six. Six. So Jay's family tells law enforcement that they do not mind paying for the testing themselves. They had to jump through hoops. It took them forever to get a hold of those remains, but they finally did, and they sent them over to the coroner. So the coroner determines that there isn't enough DNA available to match the remains to Jay. They also noted that the Levi Strauss jeans that were turned over to them were not Levi's at all, that they were red parachute pant type materials. So to me, it kind of seems like a cover-up because it was officially documented earlier that the jeans that were found were red Levi Strauss jeans. And the private investigator even points out, like, where would the brand Levi Strauss have come from if when the remains were collected, they did, you know, they seen that label on those jeans and that's what they documented. Yeah. And like, why, what are you trying to cover up then? I mean, if if it's already been heavily documented and things like that, like, why aren't you just being truthful about it? I think that law enforcement is totally involved in this. They have something up their sleeve or they know something and they're not saying. So it gets better. So Jay's family asks the coroner if he could he or she could put together a DNA profile based on what they were able to pull from the remains and the coroner did. So this brought up the question of the private investigator, if there was enough DNA within those remains to pull a full sample together, why wasn't there enough to determine whether the remains belonged to Jay or not prior to this? That just seems yeah, really strange because if you even if you have a small ounce of DNA, you can still be able to build a profile and connect it. So for, in first they said, oh, we don't have enough to see if we can tie. Yeah, but oh. now we have enough to build a full profile. <sighs> Sounds fishy to me. So, I mean, who isn't telling the truth here? Now, let it be known, Bruce, the PI, he had been working on this case on a volunteer basis and he had a really hard time gathering the evidence any evidence at that and receiving responses to all of his requests for information it was just very difficult they made it difficult on him which is weird it's they like continue to this day like we're not going to try and help you solve this crazy mystery we're just going to make it even harder on you 
He had been met with so many roadblocks. Literally, it's almost unheard of. It's kind of like becoming comical as we were researching it. Like, it's funny at this point how many roadblocks poor Bruce had to endure. But he has now spent almost 10 years, and he's invested into this case. He's invested to the point that he has no intention of stopping anytime soon. Like, he is determined to get some answers for the case and for the families that are involved. Very few of his requests for information have been fulfilled, and any documentation he has been given access to, all that information has been heavily redacted. Like, they've redacted names, locations, items. That's crazy. Like, there are very few words on any of the pages. It gives him zero details. That's Nothing. That's the start. Bruce, we feel bad for you. We're sorry, Brucey. Like, they might as well have just denied his request because they didn't give him shit anyways. Seriously. Yeah, that's what Basically I mean. It's nothing. It's comical. Like, <laughs> they're going to give him a 20-page packet and there's like 100 words total. So, like we said in the beginning, there are many theories about what could have happened to the boys. There have been rumors that they were abducted by aliens, whether you believe in that stuff or not. Uh, that a lake freighter had hit the imitation Boston. Like, they had some big collision. It caused it to sink. Anything you can pretty much think of, it's been said. And now Michael's mom seems to think that Michael knew whatever was about to happen that night might not end well. And being that he had given her his necklace before he left the house on March 17th, it's kind of like this eerie, like maybe he had this prediction in the future, you know, that something was going to happen. And that's why he did that, which gives me chills right now, just talking about it, like... That's why I don't think they were on. I don't think they were on the boat. I think something else happened to them. So, so again, law enforcement determined that the boys were in a boating accident, that they fell into the water, dead in the elements, sank to the bottom of Lake Ontario, where they will remain forever. And keep in mind, the water temperature is so cold in Lake Ontario that it is possible that the boys may never surface because being in colder water weighs you down. So that's pretty much what law enforcement chalked it up to, this tragic with accident. No, with nothing. With nothing. Like a motor was heard, a boat was reported stolen, and they're linking it to those six kids. But it vanished without And a you know trace. what this reminds me of is that story about the firemen off of the coast of Florida. They were heading way out into the Atlantic, okay, on a motorboat. Their kit, their, their kit that they had to go fishing with, that washed ashore. In the ocean. Something, exactly. But we can't find a single thing from these boys in a lake. Like, it just doesn't make sense to Mm -mm. me. I have my own theories about this. (laughs) Right. So one of the theories that I heard that I was like, okay, now this is believable. So apparently one of the boys was, or had dropped out of school, right? So when you drop out of school, I thought you just left, but apparently (laughs) you don't. You do like some sort of exit interview. Well, the guy that did the interview was actually like this drug dealer who had the street name of the teacher. So he had this crazy long criminal record and three of the boys actually went to the school that he worked at. So when one of the boys did his exit interview, it said that maybe he kind of like recruited him. Like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, I can help you make some, like, super fast money if you're interested. Like, this is what I do because he was, like, into trafficking. Hmm. I don't know. Well, and then, what, like, offed them all or something? Like, killed them all? I don't know. Like, maybe they got set up with, like, a bad deal. 
I don't know. So this is a trip because I'm like, well, how did this guy have a job at a school if he had? (laughs) That's true. Right? (laughs) Hold on a second. Yeah. Who are we hiring? (laughs) If he had this like lengthy record, well, I guess after you've been charged with a crime, you pay your debt to society, whatever that debt is, you can file a motion to have your record cleared. And it's kind of like a super quick process. It never happened. Like it never (laughs) happened. Like you can get your record expunged here, but I mean, it's like a lengthy process. So this guy could have been hired at the school with them not even knowing that he, they were letting a criminal into their administration to deal with kids. So I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I think that that is one of the theories that is most believable. Like instead of joining the army recruiting, we're recruiting potential drug dealers at the local high school. (laughs) Right. Another thing that made me wonder was, okay, when they were at the party, everybody was drinking. They were like smoking weed, whatever. They weren't gone that long before the girlfriend or girlfriends went to the police department to report them missing. So part of me kind of just thinks like, did they know, and I don't know, and I don't want to accuse anybody, but did they know what they were going out to do to where... Like some, they knew that something was going to happen. Or that something could happen. So when they don't show up two hours later, like you just automatically go to the police? That is true. It was a very quick time after. Like there wasn't, maybe the next morning, like, oh, the boys went out, they were drunk. Like, oh, they didn't come home in the morning. No. no. Like they were out there an hour and a half later. It hey, was, yeah. they're gone. Well, how do you know they're gone? It's is, weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. So the private investigator, Bruce, he has filed a motion to reopen the case, and I really hope he gets it. But every time he goes to the police department or whatever department he goes to, they always tell him the only way to open up the case would be to have new evidence. And he's like, okay, well, you're not giving me any access to the old evidence or any of these reports, so how do I know what constitutes as new? And they're like, bye, Bruce. You know what, Bruce? We have faith in you, and we are 100% behind you. We're backing you up, man. We totally are. Let us know what we need to do. (laughs) We'll come up there if we have to, okay? Yes. (laughs) So we want to know, like, what do you guys think? What do you think? What is your theory of what could have happened to them? I do not believe that they were ever on the boat. Yeah. (sighs) Totally. Go to the marina. Like, let's sell some beer. Like, there's fridges on those boats. I get that, but I think it's far-fetched. And where were the other three boys well, only three of them were captured on camera. Yeah, and I think it's extremely far-fetched that if it had exploded or sank, whatever the case may be, somebody would have heard it, especially if they heard the motors. And so, there would have been something in the water. There would have been some, a shred of anything, especially, like I'm saying, like when you see these ships sink and stuff, the oil that comes out of them, the stains yeah, yeah, yeah. on the very top of the water, none of that. And nothing is secure, not everything is secured on the boat so if it sank things would float Float up up. absolutely i don't think they were in the water at all what do you guys think let us know guys write it on our page we want to (laughs) know thank you guys for joining us today on this brand new episode um we're excited to see your guys' theories actually i'm gonna read through them totally head over to wherever you're listening to us now please and leave us five stars and we'll see you back here next friday we hope you all have a safe weekend And we'll see you then. Bye, Bye, guys. guys.